Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bible Said What podcast season two. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm super, super excited to be your host for this season and this episode. Okay, so major life update. If you don't know, if you haven't been keeping up with us on social media, I have actually moved to London, England for the semester for study abroad, which is so surreal. Um, It's still sinking in. I still feel like I'm at camp or on vacation or something. It's amazing. Um, But I've been taking these past two weeks to just get adjusted and, you know, sleep off all of the jet lag. Um, But that means two things. So the first thing is that I don't have the normal equipment and audio technology that I would have at Sanford where I record in the studio there. So the audio may sound a little bit different. I'm still learning how to do all of the editing and the audio and the EQing. So I apologize if it sounds a little bit different. And then the second difference is kind of sad, honestly. Um, It's the fact that I don't have any co-hosts this semester, which is kind of sad, but I miss them so much. Julia, Alexei, Claire Grace, Brenna, Reagan, all those amazing guests and co-hosts that we had last season obviously will not be able to join us um, because they are across the ocean. (laughs) However, hopefully they can have some, you know, Instagram takeovers, things like that, so we can still keep up with them. I've been texting with them, calling them, and... They all seem to be doing really well and having a great semester so far, but I miss them so much, but I know they're doing the Lord's work over there. So all that being said, I mean, oh, one more thing, social media, our social media handle has changed. So it is no longer at Bible said what dot pod, the dot pod is gone. And now it's just Bible said what with underscores between each word. I just didn't like the dot pod. I don't know why. I just like Bible said what, you know, classic, clean classy um so we changed to that so if you haven't already followed us go and do that keep up with us in that community we have a great active social media community over there um and if you do follow us and you notice something different that's what it is all right so all this being said let's get into it So yeah, as I just mentioned, I'm studying abroad this semester in London, England, and it's been amazing so far. I get to study and take classes, but I also get to have an internship at a church, which has been an amazing experience so far. Um, And I've only been here two weeks, which is crazy. But one of the fun things that I get to do while I'm here is actually travel on the weekends. So I get to go. I mean, they just let us kind of go wherever. And it's so crazy because this is something that I've always dreamed of whenever I was like a little kid, you know, I'd be in middle school and I'd be like, oh yeah, one day I'm going to travel the world. And of course, everyone's like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> but now I'm like, no, I'm actually kind of getting that opportunity. But that's where our story starts here. So if you follow us on social media, last weekend, I think it was, I posted a video of me and some of my friends hiking in Scotland. And it's this beautiful mountain. It's called Arthur's Seat. If you get to go to Scotland, Edinburgh, I highly recommend it. It was incredible. Um, but I posted a video and I was like, haha, this is an amazing view, but I have a story. So here's the story. All right. So it was cold. It's January. It's freezing here. And I am from Alabama where it kind of barely gets cold, like 30s. You know, we might get some snow every five years. Um, but I'm also from Kentucky and Kentucky... I'm pretty used to, like, we get some snow, you know, like, we get a little cold. Um, and so whenever I came over, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared. I know how to handle this. Um, <laughs> and I've done hikes before, too. So, you know, I was confident whenever my friend said, hey, let's go hike Arthur's seat. I was like, uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. Mm. Okay, so here's where it gets entertaining. So 
we take a cab to the bottom of Arthur's seat. And right before we were about to get out, our taxi driver goes, you know, be careful, there's a lot of black ice. And we were like, okay, sure, you know, thank you. Because, I mean, it was a sunny day. It was cold. Like, it was it was freezing. I think it was probably like 37 degrees, if I remember when we checked. So, I mean, it was cold. But it was sunny. Lots of other people were hiking. And so we were like, oh, this will be fine. You know, it, it'll be fun. Um, and so Olivia and Rainy, those are the two friends that I went with, they both had on boots, all right? And so they were ready. They were like, all right, let's go, let's do this. Olivia used to live in Connecticut, and so she's done lots of hikes like this. You know, I feel confident in what they in what they are um, doing. I'm just going to follow what they're doing, right? And so we start hiking up, and it is beautiful. It's green. It's this wonderful, you know, mountainous cliff structure. Um, and so we start hiking up and I see a couple people as we're walking down who are kind of like, you know, they got some dirt on them. It looks like they've fallen. And I'm like, wow, they're clumsy. <laughs> we start to get a little steeper into the hike. And remember, Olivia and Rainy were wearing boots. They were doing fine. I was in white Nike Air Maxes. Okay, no treads on those things. And so we get to this steep point in the hike and it was shadowed by the cliff. And so it was shady. And so there was a lot of ice because it was really cold. And it was this black ice that you couldn't really see where it was, if I'm being honest. And so <laughs> Olivia and Rainy, because they had the right footwear, they were able to just kind of walk straight up it. You know, they had to go a little slower. They had to be kind of careful. I, on the other hand, was not in as great of a position. So I slip, right? I, I don't completely fall, okay? I have a little grace, all right? But I soon realized, like, I can't get up this. Like, I, I got to the point where I couldn't take a step forward because I was stuck. Like, it was so slippery and there was no grip on anything. And so I'm literally on my hands and my feet, like, trying to bear crawl up this, <laughs> up this slope. And there goes, there comes one point where I'm grabbing onto these two like stray rocks. All right. And I'm, I'm so dramatic. I'm literally thinking in my head, I'm like, if I unclench my thumbs, I'm going to roll down this mountain. <laughs> and then right as that moment hit, I hear Olivia and Rainy kind of giggling and I look up and there's this group of people watching me struggle and because they're trying to come down the mountain. And so I look up and right as I look up, one of these guys goes, you got an audience there, mate. And I just die inside. And so it takes me a second and I <laughs> get up the slope and they walk down. And the same guy looks at my shoes and then he looks back up at me and he goes, mate, how are you doing that in trainers? And I'm like, apparently I'm not. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so we made it to the top, but barely. I was so dirty and scuffed up by the time we went to the top and then we went back down. Down was easier because by the time we had... Um, you know, taking pictures at the summit and we're on the way down, there was a very nice man who would come with some salt and had cleared off some of the icy pathways. So, oh, that was the story of, of uh, Arthur's seat. But it got me thinking, it was really funny. As we were, you know, struggling up this mountain, I look at Olivia and I go, I have an odd feeling that this is going to end up in the podcast, that this is going to end up as an illustration. Um, and it did. This is just something that that I thought of that the Lord put on my heart as we were walking down. Um, I was looking at all of these people walking up the mountain with such ease. And it's because they had the right equipment and they had the right training and they had the right footwear. You know, Olivia had 
she'd been she'd grown up in Connecticut she'd done hikes like this before and she was wearing boots so she could get up the slopes I was cocky and thought I was from Kentucky and that qualified me for this right (laughs) and I was in you know terrible footwear for this and so that got me thinking you know this is a solid illustration this is a solid illustration on how we need to be prepared in our Christian walk right because here's the thing about Christianity is that it's not something that is butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. It's not something that is always easy, right? It's not a flat, sunny butterfly field walk, right? Christianity is something that is, it's difficult and it can get really slippery and it is definitely an uphill climb. Um, And as we go through that uphill climb, if we are not prepared and we are not ready for what's coming, then we're going to slip and we're going to fall a little bit. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is how we can be prepared in our Christian walk. And one of the ways that we're going to talk about being prepared today is by acknowledging and trying to follow our calling that the Lord has placed on our hearts and following through with what the Holy Spirit has put on our heart to do. Because I know that can be really difficult. Um, That's something that I'm in a season of right now is trying to find my calling and specifically what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. Because, you know, I'm in school I know that I'm going to seminary, but after that, the details are pretty fuzzy. So that's what we're going to talk about today is getting into what is our calling, what is our purpose, and what is our plan for what the Lord wants us to do for our life, and how do we follow through in that? So let's get into that. I feel like the word calling can be kind of scary sometimes and it can be kind of intimidating because it's hard to explain. You know, it is a work of the Holy Spirit and sometimes that's really hard to interpret with words. Um, And, you know, in the arm of God, there's not exactly the headphones of the Holy Spirit included. Um, And so it can be intimidating. But in reality, I feel like calling can be broken down into two components, the first one being purpose and the second one being plan. Now, these sound very similar. However, there is a difference. One's purpose is, as a, as a Christian, is the same as all other Christians. Our purpose while we're here on earth is to go and to make disciples and then to fill the earth and have dominion over it. The Great Commission, that is our purpose in life as Christians because we are created to be in fellowship with the Lord and with each other and to further that kingdom. So that is our purpose. That's pretty clear. Plan, however... That's when it can get scary and that's when it can get intimidating. The plan for your life is how you go and do that and the means by which you you go and make disciples or you, you shine God's light. And note that you can shine God's light and you can further God's kingdom no matter what you do and everything you do as long as you do it for the glory of the Lord and with a servant's heart, right? And so we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I love me some Ephesians. That's where we're going to be today in today's episode. And we're going to read a little bit about what Paul says about our purpose as Christians. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and I'll read it. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over and through all and in all. I think that is just a beautiful picture of 
what our calling is as Christians because all of us are different, right? All of us have different gifts. We all have different talents and inclinations. However, we are all united through one spirit. Um, Whenever I was at camp, I got to teach a spiritual gift class for middle schoolers and high schoolers, which we'll get into that in just a second. But, um, and that's something that we talked about that we got into some really good discussion about was how, you know, everyone was created very unique and very different. However, we're united through one body and one spirit. And the beautiful thing is that while we have that one singular common purpose, we are all beautifully designed to have a unique plan. And I think that is just something that is so gracious and loving about our God that he cherishes us and how we are different from each other. He didn't want to, when he created Adam and Eve, he didn't want to have, you know, carbon copies of the same person. You know, he gave us different talents and abilities that whenever we unite together as one church, which is how he designed it to be, when we are all united, then it creates this perfect harmony. Uh, we're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 just about how um, the church functions like a body, right? And how there's different parts to a body and how when every body part does its function, has its, you know, does its part properly, that everything starts to blend. Everything works. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12 says, Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I'm just going to pause here because I think this is a very good message about comparison. One of the ways that we can be prepared to pursue that calling is to immediately shut down a spirit of comparison from the get-go. Everyone is created with different gifts and abilities, and everyone is just as unique as the other. But whenever we begin to pursue our purpose in that plan that we're talking about, the enemy easily uses jealousy and envy to try to hold us back and to try to convince us, have us convince ourselves that we are disqualified from our own calling. And we can be our worst enemy sometimes, and this is one of those ways. Um, I think Paul uses a really great illustration here because it seems so silly to us, right? It seems very silly for an eye to compare itself to an ear because both are extremely different, yet they're each extremely vital parts of how we function, right? We need our ears to hear, but just as equally, we need our eyes to see. And just because they're different doesn't mean that one is less needed than the other. And the church and individual believers um, are like this as well. The context of this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that Paul's talking about spiritual gifts and how the church fits together kind of like a puzzle, right? And all of us are made differently. We're all different shapes. We're all different colors. Yet our differences all click together to create kind of a bigger picture. And this is really shown in the, the same chapter, chapter 12, verses 21 through 27. And it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving it greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And this is why we can't compare, right? Because if we try to change our piece of the puzzle to look like another one, then it won't fit, right? We won't click. And the bigger picture is distorted. Going back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So when each part does its job and follows its plan accordingly, not trying to be like any other one, then it builds itself up and it grows through love. And that is the key because that's the whole point of our ministry is to love God, love others, right? And to pursue God's kingdom through his love because God is love. And whenever his spirit is in us, that is what we overflow. That's what we should overflow at least. Um, Because let's be honest, it can be really hard sometimes. But so that's the first part. The second part to be prepared for our calling um, is to consider your passions and your inclinations, right? We just talked about not comparing ourselves to others. But, you know, after that, how do we look at what we have ourselves? Like, what, what do we do when we have to look at our own differences and what makes us unique? While I was at camp, I got to teach a spiritual gifts course. And that was so amazing and so rewarding because not only did I get to, you know, take my little quiz and learn about my spiritual gifts that the Lord has blessed me with, but I also got to um, see others learn what they're good at, right? And see the gifts that the Lord has given them. So I could go on about spiritual gifts. I love that topic. That might be a series, possibly. If you would like that, then maybe DM me. Um, But considering not only what the Lord has naturally placed in your heart and how he has designed you and wired you, but also the talents that he's given you, right? And how we can use those to glorify the Lord, which is something really cool. Growing up, I always knew that I loved to write. Like I was the nerd who was on an academic team, right, for school and would in my free time compete in these writing competitions, right? And I loved it. It was something that I enjoyed and I love speaking. And that's just something that the Lord gave me a passion for. And so whenever I was about 16 years old and I felt the call to ministry, I started to think, okay, well, I feel this call to go teach, right? And to go teach about the Lord and the Bible, how am I going to do that, right? Like, what's the plan there? And then I looked and I saw, and I thought, well, you know what? He's given me the ability to write and he's given me the ability to speak. And not only am I good at those things, but I have a passion for those things. And so that was a really good step forward seeing, all right, maybe I can use these. How can I use these? And how that kind of built. So look at your passions, look at your inclinations. Ultimately, when you're considering your calling and you're trying to move forward with God's plan for your life, listen to the Holy Spirit and approach God with a willing heart and an open servant's heart, right? Because sometimes when we're considering our our plan, we can think, oh, you know, this is something that I'm going to want to do, (laughs) right? Sometimes it's not as easy as that, right? Of course, the Lord is going to use the gifts and talents he's given us. However, his plan is always greater than ours. And it is so much, it can be very different than what we see, right? 
because we just see straight ahead of us or straight behind us. God sees our entire life from this aerial point of view, and he can see the things that we need to be protected from. He can see the ways that we can go and serve him greater than we can even ask or imagine, right? And so that's the key is approaching the Lord with a completely open heart saying, Lord, no matter what, whether it's going to be hard, whether it's going to be easy, because it's promised that we're going to have trials and tribulations, right? And approaching God with that, that arms wide open mentality saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, no matter what that is, just, you know, send me to do that, however you would like to do that. And that's when he's really going to have the space to work, right? Because you can't expect the Lord to paint you this beautiful mental work of art if you're just giving him like a piece of paper and a Crayola watercolor palette. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it doesn't work that way. You have to give him the space to work and the tools to work. And that is a servant's heart. Um, And he's going to guide us and protect us because he is that good father. And like I said, do it all for the glory of the Lord. That's also the key is making sure that we approach God, not only with a servant's heart, but with a humble heart um, and doing everything that we do for his glory and not our glory. This is constantly something that I'll be honest, I have to pray through. This is something, especially in ministry, I have to keep in check. Like, okay, I'm doing this for God's glory. I'm not doing this for my glory. I'm not doing this for attention. I'm not going on this mission trip because I just want to travel. That's a big one. Um, (laughs) making sure that we're doing it all to praise, um, to praise the Lord and to give him glory. Right. And also just to praise him in the known and in the unknown, because as we pursue that calling, there's going to be moments where we have no idea what's going on. I'll be honest, I'm in one of those phases where I only know what's going on in the now, which is I'm here in London and the Lord is giving me opportunities. And then in the next few years, I'm going to seminary. After that, no clue. And for me, that's hard because I like knowing my life plan. You know what I mean? Um, But praising God in the known and in the unknown is going to prepare our hearts for the mission that he has set in our lives whenever the time is ready, whenever his timing is perfect. Because whenever we have that humble disposition and we have that faith, that's when our hearts are going to be prepared to go. So now that we've talked about our calling and our plan and our purpose, of course, we have to talk about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is another one of those terms that we hear that seems very churchy. And it's one of those things that we think, oh, that'll never happen to me until it does. Right. Because the thing is, when we start to pursue the Lord, when we start to run full speed ahead at that race, the enemy is going to try to trip us up because he does not want us to fulfill that purpose, as we've previously mentioned. And here's the thing. The enemy obviously has no power over us. We are redeemed through Christ who, you know, has victory over sin and death. However, temptation is very real and it can come in several forms. Um, This is something that they talked to us about, like I said, at camp. I know I bring camp up a bunch, but it's because I loved it. Um, And one of the things we talked about is how everyone has like that golden calf, right? Has that one thing that is very tempting that they're going to turn towards. And one of the ways that we can be prepared to avoid that and to avoid that temptation is by putting on the full armor of God. So we're back in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 11. And that says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and that after, after, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I just love this because this reminds me of Bible Man. If you are a child of the early 2000s, you know what Bible Man is, and you know about the iconic Armor of God montage. (laughs) If you don't, look it up on YouTube. It is iconic. It is amazing. But in all seriousness, this is something that we need to embody in our Christian walk. So to understand this a little bit more easy, we're going to break it down and we're going to break it down into um, each part. So starting with the belt of truth. Personally, I love this imagery of truth being a belt because a belt is what holds everything together. And in the same way, truth is what holds our faith together. And society and culture today tell us that truth can be relative, right? And that, you know, we hear these things like, oh, that's just your truth or whatever's true for you. But the reality of that is that whenever truth is relative, it tears down our foundation. I can't help but think about the parable of the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. Of course, we all know how the story goes. When the storm comes, um, the man who built his house on the rock, it it stood firm. But the man who built his house on the sand was washed away. And that is how truth is in our lives. If we don't have that firm foundation, whenever that spiritual warfare comes, whenever those trials and tribulation comes, then it's going to be a lot easier for us to fall and to crumble and to cave into that. But if we have that firm foundation, then we're able to not be shaken and we're able to stand strong in that. And of course, we know that that truth is that we are a child of God created in his image and redeemed for his greater purpose. And not only that, but we have a God who fights for us and a God who walks with us and guides us because he is a good father. So I think that is just an amazing image of how truth holds that together because it holds our faith together and how we stand strong. Now, the breastplate of righteousness, I feel like I could go on about this one. I was writing out what I was going to say and outlining, and I just kept going. So this might be a separate podcast, but I'll try to summarize now. If you think about it, think about a suit of armor. A breastplate is what guards the heart. And in the same way, that's, that's what righteousness does. Righteousness guards our heart. So what exactly is righteousness? That's another big churchy word where it's like, okay, yes, we are called to pursue righteousness. It's like, great, cool, but like, what is that? Um, The dictionary definition is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. As Christians, the way that we pursue this is through relationships and being in a right relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. Because if you think about it, our relationships play a very, very major role in the state of our heart. Because that's what a relationship is. A relationship is sharing your heart with God or with another person and, you know, with ourselves. So how do we guard our hearts, like a breastplate does, how do we guard our hearts through our relationships? And this is something that I've been navigating over the past couple years and just learning how to invest into relationships, but also to set boundaries. 
especially when it comes to relationships with ourselves and with other people, because we have to take care of ourselves to be able to take care of other people. And that's something that I think is really cool about relationships is that they all connect. Like our relationship with God impacts how we treat his children and how we have a relationship with them. And then, of course, the way that we operate in relationships with other people affects how we treat ourselves and how we take care of ourselves. And that's something that has been difficult for me, learning how to set boundaries and learning how to say no, because I I admit I could be a people pleaser sometimes, you know, and that's something that can be difficult is making space for ourselves, especially if we make the excuse of, oh, well, you know, it's just this one time, or I'll just say yes to this one thing or to this one thing. And before we know it, we've said yes to everything (laughs) and we don't have any time for ourselves. And also when we don't have time for ourselves, that means we don't have time to spend with the Lord. You know what I mean? Um, We don't have time for that Sabbath because Sabbath is a beautiful picture of the covenant relationship that we have with the Lord. Um, So that's another way that we can pursue righteousness is by investing in ourselves so that we can invest in our relationship with the Lord, which then overflows into how we are able to invest and to love people. Because you also don't want to resent the people that you're in relationship with, you know, because you haven't set any boundaries and they don't genuinely know how you function in a relationship. Um, But that can be a whole other podcast. But to be in right relationship with God, we have to be in right relationship with his children. And to do that, we have to be in right relationships with ourselves. And all of that starts with how we love God and how we love others. And those are the two greatest commandments. That is the greatest commandment. And I totally understand why, because that is the basis of righteousness and having right relationships, like I said, is how we love God and how we love others. Now, the next one is the shoes of the gospel of peace. And whenever we first read that, I don't think we fully understand the deep meaning of that and what that truly means. And to go back and really understand this, we're going to look at the root of the word gospel. Now, I know I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I'm going to say it again just because in this context, I think it is just amazing. So our word gospel comes from the Hebrew word basar. And what basar was is basar was actually a term of victory when a battle was won. So what would happen is if a battle was won, there would be a messenger who would go back and forth from town to town proclaiming this basar, this victory, which first of all, that by itself is amazing. Um, Because you think of the word gospel and you think, yes, because Jesus has won victory over sin and death. Like, of course, we're going to go and that's going to be, you know, if we're the messengers, that's going to be what we're proclaiming is victory. But when you think about it in the context of the gospel of peace, the victory of peace and how that relates to shoes and how we walk and how we lead our lives, I just think it's a perfect image. Like I got chills whenever I really dug into it and really thought about it because that is so true for how we should lead and live in our lives. We should walk with this peace of not having any fear because we have victory through Christ. We don't have to be afraid of any trials or any tribulations or any spiritual warfare that comes with that comes at us because we walk with the Lord and the God who has defeated sin and death and who gives us that victory so we don't have to fear. And I just think that is so amazing and just so comforting. So I really, really love that. And finally, we have the helmet of salvation. Now, this is just the most epic picture, and let me tell you why. 
Back in ye olden days, in medieval times, whenever there would be a war or a battle, one of the ways that people would identify what side you were on was by your helmet. Because there was lots of different designs, there was lots of different types, um, according to what region or what country you came from. And that's with all armor, but especially the helmet would have a very specific design or a very specific characteristic that set it apart as saying, this soldier is from this country or from this region. And so whenever Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, when he got that victory, right, he offers us that helmet of salvation as a gift. And when we accept that gift and we put it on and we embody it, that's when God goes, oh yeah, she's mine. She fights for me. That's my soldier. I mean, come on. Isn't that amazing? That's just the best. And then, of course, after that, he doesn't just leave us to go fend for ourselves, right? He gives us the sword of the Spirit, which is his word, the Bible, the word of God. And that is how we are going to equip ourselves for that battle. And when those trials come and when that spiritual warfare comes, not only do we have the helmet of salvation and that victory to stand on, but we also have the weapon to fight with, which is truth, right? Which is the word of God. So that is how we can be prepared for spiritual warfare is by putting on the armor of God daily and spending time with our creator and just getting to know him and the purpose that he has for us in the plan um, through listening to the Holy Spirit. So thank you so much for joining me for the first episode of the second season. I will say this was different filming and recording without three other girls. I really miss them, but I'm so glad that you were able to join me. Um, you should definitely go follow us on social media, Bible said what, with underscores between the words, and we will um, be posting a lot more now that I'm settled into London. And of course, just follow along with all the places that we plan to go. I have a Barcelona trip planned in a couple weeks, maybe Iceland. I've always wanted to see the Northern Lights. So Let's see if that'll get crossed off the bucket list. Also, I will definitely post a picture. There's a picture that Olivia has, Olivia got, of me like struggle busting it up that hill <laughs> on the slope. And it's right at the top when I'd just gotten up it. So I'll post it. And if you know what it is, then you know what it is. You understand. Because um, it's it's just a funny picture. Um, it also goes to show reality versus Instagram. Because the Instagram pictures that I posted of Scotland, it's like this beautiful, majestic peak when we're up on top of the mountain, when in reality, I almost died going up it. But <laughs> anyways, that's all. So we're just going to pray and then we'll go. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for the ability to gather, whether it is online or in person. We like to thank you for all of the things that you give us, specifically the ways that you equip us to go and expand your kingdom and to go and make disciples. And we also thank you that you walk with us in that daily whenever we pursue you, God. We'd like to pray that you will please give us the courage and the bravery to listen to the Holy Spirit and to follow where you are leading because, Lord, we know that that can be scary and that can be intimidating. So please just give us the um, obedience and the courage to do that and also just equip us with the strength of your word, Lord. We thank you so much and please be with us as we go out and do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.